So, Ed, Peter, we've talked about how a lot of the secessionists thought, you know, the North was just going to let the South go, that there really wasn't going to be a war Mm -hmm. over this. Can we read Lincoln's silences, uh, given him trying to hold his party together and everything, Mm -hmm. his refusal to compromise? Can we read that as Lincoln thinking, yeah, the South really isn't? going to fight, that this secession thing is just going to fall apart if we don't fan the flames? Yeah, Brian, that's a a plausible interpretation. Lincoln just didn't get how deep secessionist feeling was in the South. He thought it could be isolated, that it was a kind of a cancer that could be excised. And he has good reason to think that because a lot of people from the Upper South are telling him that. Yeah, exactly you know, right. Mr. President, if you'll just be patient, we'll work it out down here, especially yeah. in Virginia. And, and think about this, Ed. Virginia is right at the center of the Union, or at least historically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's the absolute heart and soul of the United States of America. And a lot of these border state people, they take all this manifest destiny talk and they say, our future is with this great imperial republic. Yeah, the border states say we're virtually a third nation. That's right. Okay, That's we right. are the reasonable people. The weirdo abolitionists in New England and the weirdo secessionists yeah. in South Carolina, they're not the real America. We are. We'll figure this out. And that's when slavery comes in, though, because that becomes the issue, doesn't it, Ed? Yeah, well, because here's the fundamental paradox. Virginia is the great compromiser, the great mother of presidents, and also the largest slave state. Right. Not merely in the number mm-hmm. of enslaved people who live there, but in its centrality in the slave trade. Yeah, they depended on the rest of the South. That was a big market oh, for yeah. their human property. Matter of fact, if you don't have that market, you worry about being overrun right. by enslaved people. Exactly. So Virginia is deeply tied to the Deep South. And so on February 13th, at the very same time that the Confederacy is drawing up its new constitution, a group of white men gather in Richmond to try and figure out what Virginia should do. They've been sent there by Virginia voters, and when they arrive, only one out of six delegates is actually in favor of secession. Here's Civil War historian William Freeling, who's just published a book about the convention. The the Virginia Convention is often called the Virginia Secession Convention. But if you look at all its deliberations till they finally decide on April uh, 17th, it's better to call it a Unionist Convention, because what most of the deliberations are trying to do is find some way to save the Union. Their dream is to get the Lower South to come back into the Union, so they don't want to alienate it too much. They're classic men in the middle who are trying desperately to keep the extremes from going to war with each other. Just like their counterparts further south, most of these guys make the case that slavery would be safest inside the Union. But Virginia, they argue, has more at stake than anybody. I say, sir that a dissolution of the Union will be the commencement of the abolition of slavery. Will it not, sir, make a hostile border for Virginia and enable slaves to escape more rapidly because more securely? Will it not virtually bring Canada to our doors? By Virginia's seceding, you transfer the seat of this war to this fertile and salubrious country. Virginia would be the battleground. Her fields would be laid waste. you bring this desolation upon us? Will you make northwestern Virginia the Flanders of America and convert our smiling valleys into the slaughter pens of as brave and loyal a people as dwell in the old dominion? I hope not. So how did secessionists counter this prediction that secession would bring devastation to Virginia? They said, if it's peace you're after, the best thing we can do is secede. We are told that it will bring war. On the contrary, 
it will tend to avert war. Virginia, united with the Southern Confederacy, will present small inducement for war upon that Confederacy. And that's what the secessionists keep saying. The issue is not should we ideally secede. The issue is we've already got a secession. The question is now, should we stay in the Union when a third of the South has gone out of the Union? Now, that's a fascinating position because it indicates how much those first third Southerners who went out of the Union can manipulate and control the other Southerners. And what do you think the key point of leverage was for those states that went out? Was it the importance of those states to the Southern economy, or was it the fact that the remaining Southern states were now a pretty distinct minority in Congress, less able to protect slavery than ever? That's exactly the point that secessionists make. Maybe we would have been in a position to stay in the Union if everybody had stayed in the Union. But now we are stuck in the Union with only eight states against 20 northern states. And four of our states are kind of shaky. Delaware owns only 1,700 slaves. Maryland has as many free blacks as slaves. What business do we have trying to protect slavery when our great protectors are now in another nation? That's William Freeling, senior fellow at the Virginia Foundation for the Humanities. We'll post an excerpt from his latest book on secession, Showdown in Virginia, at backstoryradio.org.